Hi, and welcome to this episode of I've Got This Kid. I'm your host, Sharina Williams, the fun therapist, licensed speech and language pathologist, homeschooling mom of two, wife of one. I am here to answer everything, speech, language, play, development, homeschooling, and all that other stuff that falls in between. You guys, it is fantastic to be with you all another day in this space. And during my favorite time of year, I get to share that with you guys. And I do not like being cold. Luckily, for the most part, the Bay Area really doesn't have like extreme seasons. It just depends on what's kind of going on. We've been getting summers lately, but like as far as extreme weather, like in the minuses and all that stuff, we don't get that. So thank goodness for that because I hate being cold. But I love how the Christmas holiday brings the beauty out of everyone. And I have seen some of the most adorable Christmas tree decorations this year. And for the first time this year, I actually participated in decorating ornaments. You heard me right. I decorated ornaments and it was a blast. It was almost a little bit therapeutic. And the recipe was so easy. It was water, flour, salt, baked, cut out with cookie cutters, painted, creative expression up the yin yang. It was amazing. And so I thought I'd share that with you guys because 2020 has seriously taught me that life is what you make it. And no matter what happens, it's up to us to decide how we're going to react to what's around us. And so what I've learned is take the information. I don't have to be excited about it, but I can always make the most of things. Even if I'm not able to be with the people that I love all the time or do some of the things that I love to do, I can still create amazing memories at home with my sugars and not lament over what we can and cannot do. And so even teaching my kiddos that lesson that we can find other things to love and to do, we just have to be a little bit creative has been definitely an area that has stretched me. And I am so grateful to have that time and to just be able to be flexible and teach grit in a way to where I'm not just telling them a story, I'm showing them what it is. And that's, you know what, that's enough of my soup talk and what I have to say, because we've got a lot to unpack today and I can't wait. And just like, uh, what is it? Autism. The same is going to be with what is it intellectual, AKA cognitive disorders, AKA what's going on with the brain? Like it's going to be two parts. And the reason that it's going to be two parts is because there's so much. Oh, and I don't want to just plow through it and not get you guys the information in the way that you need it to where you walk away with clear understanding. And not only that application that you can take along with you. And my final thing, my final, final thing is if you have not followed me on social media or found me on social media, what are you doing? The links are in the show notes below. Please find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I'm a click away. Come hang out with me. I enjoy connecting with you guys there. And I think that's it for my announcements and my soup talks and everything else. And I've already warned you guys that this intellectual disability, what is it is going to be not one, but two parts, just like what is autism. And if you have not caught up on past, what is it episodes, please do so. I believe we're like close to, or at number 10 now. <laughs> I promise when I was planning this, I started off with like four or five topics and it keeps 
snowballing. I almost feel like this is going to last a year. And every time I say to myself, like, I'm going to stop the what is it series. It's going to end. Something else comes up to where I'm like, I know my world changers out there might be like, what is that? What is it? Can you explain it? Can you tool me up? Can you give me this information? And even if you're not asking me, I hear it in conversation so much and it lets me know, hey, this is something that I probably need to cover and talk about because nobody, not one single person has one question without somebody else having that same question. So that is what I'm here to do. So let's get into it. Intellectual disorder, AKA cognition. You're gonna hear me use those terms um, interchangeably. And the reason why is because it's both connected to the way that the brain works, operates, functions. And when there is an intellectual disability or intellectual delay or however it's labeled, it can show up in so many different ways. But in my train of thought and my thinking, the word cognition always comes to my mind because I think about thinking, cognition and thinking and how the brain's thinking and how the brain is reacting. And there may be a more technical reason why intellectual disability versus cognitive disability is used. I don't know why, but that is my thing. And so... It is broken down again into three different criteria in order to have the official label. It has to impact intellectual functioning, adoptive behavior, and it has to be diagnosed or occur before the age of 21. Now, it can occur before 21 and you might not get diagnosed until later, but in most cases, especially now, it is diagnosed before the age of 21. So before we even get into that, because you guys might be like, what are you talking about? Intellectual functioning, adaptive behavior, and I get the 21 part. I got that. But we're going to get into that later, right? Now we're going to talk about some of the causes. Why does this happen? What's going on here? How do some sugars end up with intellectual disabilities and some don't? Well, first things first, I believe the prevalence is like 1% per 1,000 children. So if you were looking at a thousand children, only 1%, maybe closer to 2%, depending on what researcher you're looking at, reports these sugars having some kind of diagnosis of intellectual disability. And again, the causes vary, but they're always either prenatal when sugar's in the belly, perinatal when sugar's coming out of the belly, or postnatal something else happen after sugar came out of the belly. So again, it can happen during the birthing process. It can happen while sugar's in the belly and then when sugar comes out. So let's look at what happens or why it can happen. What are some of the causes when sugar's in the belly? So genetic syndromes, Down syndrome, fragile X, that could be a reason. Inborn errors of metabolism. And that just means when things are coming together, They're just not quite syncing together the way that they are designed to do. Brain malformation, macrocephaly. That's when the brain is, or excuse me, the head is small. If you have a smaller head, might have a smaller brain, and that can cause some of those challenges. Maternal disease, environmental influences. If while pregnant, drugs and alcohol exposure to toxins and other things occur with mom, then this can impact brain functioning. Perinatal, when sugar is coming out of the belly, into the world, labor and delivery, there are so many things that can happen during labor. 
outside of the pain. And let me just say that I went through labor twice. No drugs, no drugs. And it does not feel good. And both labors were almost 24 hours. So that in and of itself is enough. In labor, we we have so much great science around the delivery process and the laboring process now, but things still sometimes don't go quite right. And I don't want to put or place any fear in anybody. So I don't want you guys walking away like I'm not getting pregnant or I'm not. Don't do that. Don't do that. Like stuff happens. Amazing things happen. And sometimes things happen that we don't necessarily love. So labor and delivery, sometimes things can happen there. Anoxia at birth, that simply means at some point, little sugar stopped breathing during the birthing process. And a lot of times when that happens, some other things have to take place to make sure that sugar gets out safely and that a medical team is on top of things, kind of watching little sugar, making sure they're okay. Postnatal. Some of the things can happen after sugar is born. Brain injury. Infections, and it has to be a pretty severe infection. They call them demyelinating disorders. And, and that's like a big phrase, and it's an umbrella phrase for like multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's, stroke, sleep apnea, those kinds of disorders that can impact brain functioning or movement or motor programming in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Seizure disorders where sugars are having these, these seizures. And it usually has to be pretty frequent for this to happen. And I'm sure like it depends on the level of severity, severe and chronic social deprivation. This means that sugar has had no exposure really to the outside world. And they have been deprived of any kind of interaction with the world around them. We are by design social creatures. And so it is imperative that we are having these interactions and observations and these checks and balances with the other humans around us. And so again, that's severe or chronic. Like that doesn't mean, you know, because of COVID, your your sugar is all of a sudden going to have like some intellectual disability or delay. Like it has to be really, really bad. And them not just being isolated from the people outside of the house, but also the people inside of the house in some way, shape, form, or fashion. And finally, this is the final cause, toxic metabolic syndromes and intoxications, lead, mercury, other things that they could be exposed to or get their hands on and ingest or inhale that they do not have any business inhaling. And so that's why we want to make sure to keep our house and our environment safe and be extremely careful what we're exposing our sugars to and the things that they shouldn't be exposed to. We want to make sure to keep it away in a safe place. So those are the causes. But remember, the relationship between intellectual disability and these causes has been well documented. And so When I'm reading off this list and giving you guys this information, like there has been studies that show that these things correlate. It doesn't always necessarily mean that if this thing happens, then your sugar is going to end up having intellectual disability. These are just some of the causes that can trigger an intellectual disability. And in most of these cases, because I know some of you world changers have never heard about some of these things that I've mentioned Pediatric teams, medical teams usually monitor sugars where they are at risk and are the more severe of the sugars, but there's always an exception to the rule. And so we just want to make sure that we're doing our part and being proactive and watching our sugars. And if you're not sure what your sugar should be doing, 
listen to the milestone series because that tells you all the way from 18 months all the way to almost four years old, what sugar should be accomplishing and the milestones that they should be meeting to make sure that they're on the right track. And so a lot of times world changers want to know if this is going on, who's going to provide services or who's going to flag if something is going on. And again, in many cases, the pediatrician or the medical team will be the first one that's looking at these milestones. And that's why we go to our wellness visits. Our pediatricians are our friends. They don't just give our sugars their little shots, but they also make sure that sugar is meeting milestones appropriately. And now some pediatricians have even gotten a little bit more savvy because medical schools are starting to teach them about red flag behaviors and when to flag a speech and language pathologist if they're not meeting speech and language milestones. And so if you have that kind of pediatrician, like give them a high five and a hug the next time you can or over Zoom, however you can, because they are the ones who are really looking out. They're not only looking out for the physical health, they are also now starting to get more into like the cognitive health and making sure that development is occurring cognitively and physically. In some cases, parents are the ones who notice something's going on, especially if sugar had a significant birthing process and then everything pretty much seemed okay. But then during those toddler years, it seems like something may be going on with sugar In those cases, some world changers are the ones to be like, hey, I feel like this is happening. My sugar is not meeting these milestones. Pediatrician, can we, what can we do? What can I do? What's the next steps? And and that happens from time to time. I've seen it across my office more often than not. Other times, daycare and preschool educators are the ones who will kind of call, say, hey, you know, to the parent, hey, something looks like it's going on. I noticed that sugar may not be meeting milestones the same way. These are the behaviors I'm noticing in class. These are some of the characteristics I know in class or I'm noticing in class. And preschool educators are usually pretty savvy at knowing their class and knowing their kids and knowing a range of what they expect little sugars to be doing. And a lot of times now they notice outside influencing factors and behaviors because a lot of times facilities and programs are requiring that these educators get more information, not just about the academic side of things, but also, again, what we should expect globally from our sugar. So that way we can rely on asking or calling a flag or saying, hey, I need this professional to do X. Friends sometimes are the ones who may say something. And the reason why friends are amazing people is because if they've been there, done that and seen that, in most cases, if it's an amazing friend, they're going to lovingly tap you on the shoulder and call you aside and let you know what they see and what's going on, again, in a nice, lovingly way. And finally, sometimes extended family members may be the one who recognizes that milestones are being met or something just doesn't quite look right or feel right. A lot of times this is based on personal experience, because if you've been there and done that, then you know, especially if you have an older child, then you can recognize those signs and symptoms And it's really great when you have other people around who've been there, especially if they are a few steps ahead of you, because they can give you knowledge and wisdom that you may not otherwise get from people who are new to the game or new to having to adapt to like, what do I need to do? And so world changers, this is why we don't wait and see. This is totally why we don't wait and see, because these sugars 
who have intellectual disabilities or cognitive delays, they need more time to master skills as opposed to same age peers who are typically developing. We don't run away from problems. We face them. We tool ourselves up and we work as a team to get them going. The second thing that we do is we hinder their progress and we waste time, especially, especially during the early intervention years, like that birth to five, when we can really find out what's going on and come in as a team and intervene on your sugar's behalf and advocate and educate you, then, hey, look, we're making progress. Even having the education and understanding why what's going on and why something is happening is assurance that most parents need just to feel like, hey, I'm not an island in this. Somebody else recognizes what's going on. And now I can equip myself in a way to where I can interact with them like this because it works with them. And I cannot, I can try and not run away from when they X, Y, Z because I now know what that means if I don't, or if I deflect, or if I distract, or if I just ignore anything going on. And so trust your gut, trust your intuition. If a physician says, wait and see, please don't wait and see. Trust yourself. If you see something and you need to ask your physician, just go ask and let them know what you're seeing and take a a little list or make a little list and jot down the things that you're seeing that you have questions about. So you're not just getting into the office and letting nerves get a hold of you, but you can speak intelligently to this list of like, this is what I'm seeing and this is what I'm seeing it. Like, is this normal? Can you help tool me up and let me know if I need to get additional support or additional testing done? And so with that being said, who may be on Sugar's team? We know now who may flag it, but who may be on Sugar's team? Speech and language pathologists, obviously. <laughs> Occupational therapists, physical therapists, psychologists, early interventionists, specialized instructors, and a case manager who's going to monitor the case and the progress and make sure that Sugar gets everything that they need and make sure that professionals who are on the team are um, updating with what's going on and how they're doing with periodic reporting. And each professional has their own unique set of skills that'll help Sugar get the support that they need and to get them and you where you need to go. And so that brings us to the next part. What are some signs? Now that I know the causes, now that I know who may flag me, what are some signs? What can I do? How will I know that this even exists? I listened to the Milestone series. What else? What do I need to see? So we break it down into two different parts. And we look at intellectual disability based on intellectual functioning, how your brain is functioning and adaptive skills. And adaptive skills is actually broken down into three subsets. And we do that because we're looking at three different areas in adaptive skills. How do you adapt to life conceptually, dealing with concepts? How do you deal with life socially and practically? Some sugars have some more strengths in one area versus other strengths. Other sugars rock some areas and are amazing at some things. Some sugars need help in all areas. It really just depends on the sugar, but it's good to know what can happen or what, um, what may be characteristic of what you are seeing. So going back to it, first one, deficits in intellectual functions. 
that's looking at language development. Are they getting five to seven new words a week after the age of two? Do they have 50 words by the age of two? Do they have 10 words by 18 months? Reasoning. What is their reasoning skills like? What are their problem solving skills like? If they're faced with something, how do they handle that? What's their planning like? And yes, sugars plan at a very young age how to carry out stuff. And this stuff kind of all goes together. What's their abstract thinking like? Can they take information and not just look at it concretely, but in a way to where they can carry over one meaning to the next? Think about it, world changers. Communication is abstract in and of itself. Language is a symbol system in and of itself. Sometimes we give different symbols to the same word. Think about it and different concepts. If I said, let's go, that means let's walk away, let's go. But maybe sugar can't see it beyond the we're physically going somewhere and takes it as they've heard ready, set, go, which means let's race. It doesn't mean that. And so that's one of those areas where you think about like, can they think abstractly and even figure out what context you're using language in? Is their judgment good? Are they making smart sugar decisions? Because some sugar, sometimes they may appear a little bit impulsive or they might appear a little bit dangerous or they they just may not have the best judgment as to think about if I do X, then what will happen? Why will happen? Is Y a good outcome? What is the risk involved? (laughs) And also academic learning. Can they learn information? Again, for this age, we don't always look at the academics. We're looking at the play skills. So you want to like monitor and measure what are their play skills looking like? Are they only crashing and banging? Are they breaking toys? Are they having meaningful interactions with the toys around them? Are they doing the same play every single time? Are they inflexible with their play? It's really important. And the last thing in intellectual functioning, we're looking at if they're learning from the experience, because we all learn based on experience, whether it's through verbalization or actions. Sugars love actions at this age. They love seeing a model, but a model with words. Oh my gosh, winner, winner, chicken dinner. So if they are learning from the experience, let's say, for example, sugar went down the stairs. And they got to the last stair and didn't realize there was a gap between the last stair and the concrete and they fell over and they cried and you made it better because you're amazing like that. The next time, are they cautious about that stair or are they doing the same thing over and over and over again during play? Are they trying to approach an impossible task or what seems like an impossible task the same way? that didn't work five times ago, 10 times ago, 20 times ago? Are they still trying to approach it in that way? Are they trying to approach it in a different way? Are they looking at you for help? How are they problem solving through it? How are they reasoning or thinking through that in a way to where they can learn, take that information and apply it the next time they get into it? The next piece, the adaptive functioning. Adapting is so important. We take in so much information but how we adapt to it, how we use it, how we develop that, how we use it socially is so important because it gets us through life. It's like our personal independence and and our social responsibility. 
But if we're not catching it and we're being prompted or we're having to get like walked through it, then we're not quite picking it up. And we have to make sure sugar is having the opportunity to figure it out. And we're setting them up for success. I'm going on soup talks today, y'all. I I know, I know. And it's been a day too. It's been an amazing day. It's been long, but it's been good. And so I'm just, I'm all fired up. So I'm going to get all this stuff out. So anyway, sorry, soup talk again. Limited functioning in one or more daily activities. And that could be in communication. That could be in social participation. By now, you guys should all know if you've been listening what pragmatics is. Pragmatics, aka social skills. How are we getting along? with the world around us using our language. And then we also look at independent living in the home, at school, at work, in the community. A lot of times a trigger or a sign is that sugar does better in the home than they do in unfamiliar places. I've noticed that over the years, that sugar will do better in a super familiar place, especially when they're young, because they've mastered it and they've had, guess what? more opportunities. And so we want to make sure that we understand that if an educator is saying, hey, I'm seeing this, or somebody else is saying, hey, I'm seeing this, and it's outside of the home setting, don't dismiss them so soon because they may be onto something and they may be trying to, you know, tool you up to where you can go and get a second opinion. So let's look at the conceptual piece. That's the concepts of things, right? Language, again, it's a concept. Children learning to talk. What's the language development like? Is it taking, is is sugar a sluggish speaker? Is it taking a while to pick up new language? Are they picking up any language at all? Slow development of pre-academic skills. This is when sugar gets a little bit older. Are they picking up colors? Are they picking up numbers? Are they overgeneralizing the same word for um, multiple things. And that's a telltale sign for my little ones. Before you get into the pre-academics, if you wanna measure or look at how sugar is doing with the development of language and pre-academics, because again, they go hand in hand, look at if they're overgeneralizing, which is a fancy way of saying, taking one word and using it for multiple different objects and items. That can happen with colors. That can happen with cups. It can happen. I've seen it happen with so many things. And so we want to watch for that and make sure that they understand that shoe is shoe. Blanky is blanky. Water is water. Milk is milk. And that's even more of a telltale sign. Like if something is being overgeneralized, like a specific, a specific category, like juice, milk, water, orange juice, soda, those are all different things. Yes, they're all liquids, but they're different. And does sugar understand and know that they are different and try to apply a different label to each. And that doesn't mean like at 12 months, this should be during that 24 month um, age range to the 36 month age range when we're seeing them pick up all this new language. That's when they're really building up those nouns. And that's when we really want to see those nouns come out. Difficulties in understanding academic learning. This is when sugar gets older with reading, with writing, with mathematics, with retaining the information Difficulty understanding concepts of time and money, because again, that's more of an abstract thing. Time is an abstract thing, but it's also concrete at the same time. Money can be an abstract thing, but concrete at the same time. And if you don't have mastery of these earlier concepts of numbers, it's going to be difficult to carry that stuff over into other areas. And so that's why it's so important that we make sure 
at an early age that that foundation is there so that when stuff gets harder, sugar is going to be able to master it and rock it. And if they're not mastering it, then we're giving them multiple opportunities and more time to master it. And we're aware of that and providing different tools for that. Problems with abstract thinking, using a concrete approach, the same thing over and over again to solve problems. If it didn't work the first time, if it didn't work the 100th time, I need sugar to be able to be flexible enough to try a different way without melting down on us or without dismissing the activity or whatever it is that they're trying um, because we want them, again, to have multiple opportunities and we want them to establish that grit that they need to try in order to master things in life. Difficulties in executive functioning, planning, strategizing, priority setting. This really shows up in like late elementary and high school. Cognitive flexibility. If they get so stuck on an idea and feel like it needs to go their way or they're trying to learn the same information the same way and they're not learning new ways or trying new ways to approach the information and they're trying to hold on the same way, being inflexible. Difficulties with short-term memory. And finally, difficulties with functional use of academic skills like money management and time management. Are they spending way too much time in front of the TV and the video games and there's a bunch of homework? Are they spending way too much time doing things that is not necessarily something that's a priority or are they are they managing their time appropriately? Socially, we can see this early. It does not take long for us to pick up on is sugar socially getting how to adapt in the world. And this starts in infancy. Is baby looking at me when I'm talking to him? Is baby trying to babble back to me when I'm trying to talk to them? Is baby trying to find me not for just what they want and need, but to actually hang out with me? Is baby picking up new words and language and trying to say the word, even if I don't understand the word, are they trying to use words with me? Is baby using words by themselves? Is baby not using words at all? So we can pick up on these things. Is baby interested in other kids? Is baby interested in other people around them? Does baby want things to happen the same way every single time? That hits on the cognition piece and how they're how they're reacting to the world around them. And then it impacts those social skills because they're not applying this stuff because they're either not learning it or not using it. One of the two is happening. And so again, there's gonna be some kind of signs of limitations with language and communication skills. And you're gonna see sugar using more concrete and less complex spoken language. And so that's gonna look like um, maybe them overgeneralizing using this to label stuff. What do you want? This. Where is it? What do you want? That. Where is it going? Here. Where are you going? There. And you notice like the reluctance and the fight to get them to pick up on new vocabulary, new nouns, new, new verbs, especially again, between that 18 and 36 months, they should be picking up nothing but nouns. That's how we grow our vocabulary is through nouns by describing things. And the bigger vocabulary we have, I guarantee it's because we have a bunch of nouns and descriptors to help us use language to describe the things that we see in the world around us. And so another thing we start seeing is the vocabulary is limited. Maybe they're not gaining those those new words when they're getting to school. Maybe they're using the same kind of sentence. Maybe they're using the same kind of sentence structure. Maybe they're using the same kind of answers. 
and maybe it's appropriate, but it's limited and they're demonstrating difficulties picking up new ways to use language, even with assistance. Receptive language may be limited. And that receptive language, again, is understanding language. If I talk to you, do you understand me? It may be limited comprehension of simple speech and gestures like you may not be able to use super long sentences or words. That may be a sign that if you're having to repeat the same thing over and over again and they're still not quite getting it or missing parts, that might be a sign or communication that occurs through non-spoken means only like using gestures, using their hand to gesture you to come here or pulling at you or using signs or facial expressions and other forms of just nonverbal language. And they're always gravitating to nonverbal language rather than trying to use their words, especially remember during that those early ages, sugars love showcasing their skills and ability. They want you to know what they can do. And so if you're seeing that they're avoiding using language to communicate with you and they're trying to really just use nonverbal cues, that may be a sign. The next section is the social skills piece. And it's this gets like deeper into the social skills that falls under the social domain. Immature social judgment and decision making. Maybe the social judgment is not appropriate, especially as they get older. And you're like, why are you doing that? Like, you should know better than that by now. And if you're consistently asking yourself that question, difficulties understanding peer social cues and social rules, especially as sugars get older. What's really interesting and cool about girls is that girls can imitate up to a certain age. But then after that certain age, Girls can no longer imitate what they see from other girls because there's so much abstract behavior between girls. And this is where we see a lot of times our sugars fall apart, who are little girls that are starting to get into like middle school and high school. Like that's when it really comes out to where they're just not picking up on social cues and they don't know what's socially appropriate and don't understand what's socially appropriate And even when you try to explain it to them, they may not understand like what you mean or why you're saying what you're saying, or maybe they take it as a personal attack. And the final piece under the social domain and the the social skills piece is the emotional and behavioral regulation difficulties that can impact their social interactions. Are they melting down all the time? Are they blowing up all the time? If you are providing a redirection, is it being interpreted as something other than what it is? Are they interpreting your messages appropriately that you're sending to them? And so we really want to watch that, especially when they're young, to make sure that we're not just giving a free pass and saying, oh, that's just the terrible twos. Like that's the wrong time to dismiss behavior as terrible twos. I need you world changers to be proactive and make sure that it's it's not a terrible two thing and that it's not a behavioral thing. Like there's no such thing as terrible twos. Like it's a such thing as sugars who are trying to figure out the world around them and the boundaries around them. And I get scared when I hear the term terrible twos because it's almost like parents feel like they don't have to necessarily watch and they can dismiss behavior that shouldn't always be dismissed. So world changers, watch that. Final section, the practical domain. It's, it's just how it sounds. What's practical? What makes sense? And this is when it really gets into like the things that can occur during adulthood or when sugars get older. But you can see it when sugars are really young. And we look at the different levels of support for each of these to determine level of severity. When we're looking at personal care, 
is sugar taking care of themselves. From an early age, you might hear parents say, sugar won't allow me to brush their teeth. They hate getting their hair washed. They hate getting um, clean clothes or taking shoes off, or they hate, um, they don't like getting new shoes, or they don't like, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever it has to do with like grooming and self-care and getting outside of the norm, there's difficulties there. As they become adults, managing complex tasks, shopping, transportation, care organization, like what order do I need to do things in the morning to get myself together? Managing, making meals, managing money. They may be super impulsive when it comes to spending or doing things with money that may not be the wisest. And so we want to make sure that if these sugars have this diagnosis when they're young or did not get the diagnosis and you see this going on, we can understand what's going on. Another thing that we might see sugar have difficulties with later down the line is employment. And employment can be difficult because if you are having a hard time doing or in fulfilling tasks or forgetting how to fulfill tasks or making decisions on the job that is not necessarily wise or safe, then an employer will either terminate employment or lay a worker off. And this can happen to where it's hard to retain and keep a job for various different reasons. And it usually has to do with performance and or social behavior, knowing what's appropriate and what's not, which is why we practice so much when they're young. And this is another reason why we practice so much so to deal with behavior, inappropriate behavior when sugars are young. So when they're older, they're able to have that grit that they need to handle a task that's appropriate for them or a job that's appropriate for them. Another area that we see that can be impacted again is the healthcare, the self-care going to the doctor regularly, going to the dentist regularly. If something doesn't look right with the body, the physical person, are they following up with their physician, making legal decisions, making wise legal decisions, because this can be impacted as well. Are you doing things within the confines of the law or do you feel like because you want to do it, you can do it? And that's where the problem solving, the reasoning and the cognition come into play. Like we really have to have a grasp on like, Rule management, what is appropriate, what can I do and what can I not do, which is why we start that so young, like no sugar gets to get through life without facing some kind of rule or regulation. And if we're not giving them that and we're saying we just want them to be independent and free, then we're taking away their ability to be able as adults to manage what is legal and what is illegal and how do I keep myself out of trouble. Household task, taking care of the home taking care of your things in the home, taking care of other people's things within the home, being able to be responsible for the cleanliness of the home and just going again into like that self-care. Those things go hand in hand. This is why we give chores early. In fact, soon as a sugar knows their colors, they can separate laundry. If sugar has plastic bowls and cups and spoons and they eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner, sugar can take that bowl, plate, spoon, or whatever and put it in the sink. As they get older, sugar can wash it off. Sugar can put it in the dishwasher. Sugar can put other family members in the dishwasher. That's why we give chores at such a young age. Sugar can put their toys back, which is why we create visual schedules when they're so young. So that way they know where their toys go, right? If we have a nice organized toy area, then we're able to put things back every single time. And if it has labels on it, because we're tooling them up, 
then they know every single time where that toy goes. So as they become adults, they know that everything has its own place. It has its own stuff. And you see how it just naturally progresses from childhood to adulthood. The things that we practice when they're young, they're now able to carry that over. And now they've had all the additional time because you were amazing and made sure that these parameters were put in place to where sugar can manage stuff appropriately and you're not having to do or remind them all the time. And they can rely on a visual schedule to help get them through because they've had one since they were two years old and understand that first this, then that, then this, then that. And it just naturally progresses as they become adults. I mean, honestly, think about it. What is a daily planner? A visual schedule. (laughs) It's an adult version of a schedule. And so again, we want to make sure that we're tooling our sugars up in the same way. And finally, the final thing that can be impacted are recreational skills, how they're getting along um, doing recreational activities. Are they able to keep up with them? Are they able to attend? Are they problem solving appropriately? Cognition, all of those things matter. And so we want to watch that world changers. We want to be wise. We want to know the signs. We want to know the causes. And we want to not ignore or be passive or pretend like something is happening, is not happening, that's actually happening. I know you guys can do this world changers because you know what? I am yet to meet the world changer who is not concerned about their sugar being pushed to their maximum potential. I've seen so many world changers put their pride aside to be like, you know what? My sugar needs help and whatever needs to happen for me to get them the support that they need. I'm on board. And that's when real progress happens, y'all. So we're wrapping stuff up for this week, y'all. I know, I know, I know. Our time was up so fast. But next week, we're going to talk about treatment options. We're going to talk about the assessment team. That includes me, speech and language pathologist, and why and what we observe and what we measure, why we measure it, and what that all means to you, world changer. And the most important thing that we're going to talk about is knowing your rights as a parent when entering into these situations to know like what is expected from a speech and language pathologist. So you don't want to miss this. And if you have any questions about this episode or past episodes, or you have a suggestion for upcoming episodes, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. Questions can be sent to questions at I've got this or you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Those are just clicks away in the show notes. Or you can go to my website at www.iheartspeechtherapy.com, join our mailing list and become a part of the amazing community that we have because we would love to have you. And also world changers. I know that our world is about to be shut down again because of the COVID pandemic. If you have not done so and you feel like I am like just, oh my gosh, I need some tools for self-care. Please download my free ebook that can be found on my website, Maintaining a Healthy You and read it and see if it helps and tell me how you like it. And and let's just go from there, you guys, because you know what? We have to be healthy to take care of those around us. So make sure you're taking care of yourself, world changer. I don't care if it's five extra minutes in the bathroom. Take advantage of that time. And until the next time, y'all, take care.